Kick off your shoes. Sit back and find that gigantic stack of papers you've been meaning to grade. It's time for the new teacher hotline. You're listening to the new Teacher Hotline, episode six, and this is the third time we've tried to start the show. <laughs> yeah, that's Glenn over there. He's wearing red. He's to your left, my right. Yep. And Glenn is our uh, resident teacher expert and is an all-around good guy. Yes, he is. And my name is Mike Kelly, the director of teacher prep for the American Board, and I think we made it to the intro. As you may remember from last episode... We were discussing parental phone calls. Glenn, do you remember from last episode? Uh, no, that's been a while. You were here. Oh, yeah, I remember. Okay. What, what was the correct answer? The correct answer was yes. Yes, I remember. That discussion on parental phone calls kind of went on a little bit long, so we decided to split it into two halves. Yep. And you're about to listen to the second part of it's, our discussion on parental phone it's calls. It's good. It's good. It's worth listening to. It is indeed. I liked it. If you would like to hear the first half, just circle around and hit our website, www.newteacherhotline.com, and download the previous episode, episode five. Mm -hmm. It's a whole. You want both parts. Exactly. We now rejoin that discussion already in progress. The teacher and the parent need to come up with a, a set of rules for the child to live by. Then what? I mean, do you never call again or? How do you follow up after it? Yes. Let's say that it's a very simple thing where the teacher is just calling to let you know your son did not do his homework and it's just a courtesy phone call and that's the end of it. Okay, that's fine. But let's say it's a little more than that. Let's say that the incident is a little more aggressive. The teacher may want additional connections with the parent. In other words, here's the plan. Okay. Now, how are we going to know if it's working or not? How about if I call you in two days? Or how about if I email you every day? Or I'll send you a note. I'll send a note home with your child every day and uh, let you know how we're progressing. And if the plan is working, then good. Life is good, and you'll get a happy phone call at the end of the week or at the end of the treatment period. And if it's not working, then we'll call or we'll talk or we'll meet and we'll revise the plan. I've got to be honest, this is completely contrary to everything I ever did. <laughs> Everything's wrong. I felt like when I made a parent phone call, it was my last chance, my last angry effort to kind of throw this fiery tennis ball back in their court and say, I've done all I can do and now deal with this. Yes. Because yes. I'm done. I'm it, out of the picture. It, it's all you. You're their parent. You spawned this thing, which right. is causing me grief. Make them change. Right. And then I will see you later. Here's everything they've ever done wrong. Right. I can't deal with it. Mm -hmm. I won't deal with it. I'm going to kick them out of class. <laughs> I suppose that's what happens when you wait too long. Well, you let things build up without making that partnership with the parent earlier. It, it can be. It can be. If you see a pattern, if you see a trend, involve the parent early on. Now, do yeah. you think that kind of subverts your authority if you involve them early on? Or is, is this different than an administrator phone call? Well, it again, it depends on what the incident is. It does require the teacher to make a decision. How bad is it? I mean, can I live with this all year long? And is it in the best interest of the child to continue this way? And the answer might be, well, maybe it is, and I'll work on it and not involve the parent. And that's okay. That may be the correct answer, or it may be that it's getting worse, and it may reach a point where if I don't stop it now, or if I don't begin to work with it now, it's really going to be detrimental to the child. Okay, at that point, that's when you call. The parent phone call is not a sudden event, that it's one of the steps on this progressive discipline right. plan. Absolutely. So it's not your first step, it's maybe not your second step, 
but it's certainly you've gotten to a point mm-hmm. then that you have a history of offenses that you're working with. It doesn't right. seem like it's a knee-jerk reaction. No, no, and it shouldn't be, and that's how teachers get themselves in trouble. They make the hot phone call home and blast the parents for not being effective parents and blast the child for being bad in class. And, of course, all that does is upset the parent. It may even cause the parent to side with the child, which they're prone to do or predisposed to do anyway, and the teacher comes off as the bad person. And of course, then the next day, the phone call goes into the principal from the parent. And by the way, do you know what your one of your teachers told me last night? The thing to avoid is the unhappy or the unpleasantness of the phone call. That's not what it's about. If it's gotten to that point, then it's already too far. I think one of the reasons that I was always reluctant to make parent phone calls was this worry that things were going to go terribly. Mm-hmm. And it does happen. It does. And I, in some cases, I just didn't want that to happen. It's going to get and out it will. of control. That's true. So how often, again, in your professional judgment, does it actually go badly? Was I kind of paranoid for worrying that it would go badly every time? Does it go well more often than not? Does it go poorly more often? <laughs> well, what's, yeah. How does it actually work? Well, that's... <laughs> That's a good question. So here's a pretty good answer. Okay. If the teacher does not perform as a professional, it can go bad 100% of the time. And it's hard not to take some of these things these kids do as personal. Even though they respond personally, they're children, they're students, they're adolescents, whatever. They respond personally and viscerally, and I'm not supposed to do that because I'm the professional. Right. That's a difficult thing. Yes. When I'm in front of the parents, I have to kind of swallow all that poison that mm-hmm. got spewed out in the classroom mm-hmm. and look at it impartially, and that's not easy to do. And yeah. you're saying that it works better if I don't take it from a personal viewpoint. It always works better if you don't. If you're having trouble getting past the anger, call in somebody else. Make an appointment to see the guidance counselor or an administrator and just say, here's the deal. I don't think I can make this phone call. It's really not good for me. And perhaps they'll make it for you. Perhaps they'll insist that the parent come in. And then you've got a three- or four-person conference. It's not just the parent, and it's not just the teacher. You have some built-in buffers. It tends to be a lot more pleasant. The anger is taken out of it that way. Now, any way you look at it, this is going to be unhappy news. But on the other hand, if I was the parent, I'd want to know. And so once the parent has a chance to digest this, it can and should end up on a positive note. Here's what's happened. Here's what we can do. Here's what we will do to make sure that the child improves in the future. Everything that we're saying, the exact same things you're supposed to do on a customer service complaint call. Let's say that your television doesn't work. It's just sort of the same thing. You need to go in prepared. You need to go in and you call kind of Mm -hmm. detached from the situation, not to call in angry. You're sort of returning defective equipment when you're calling parents. You're saying your kid is broken right now. We need to come up with a way of fixing it. Now, here's the other thing that you have to be aware of. When you're on a phone call with a parent, you don't know what kind of day they've had. And you don't know if the child has gotten home early enough to tell their side of the story first. There's a a lot of unknown out there. So as the teacher prepares for the phone call, they have to remember, I don't know the mood of the person I'm calling. And so they have to be very careful to listen to what the parent has to say and then deal with it appropriately. From the teacher's perspective, keep with the facts. Don't editorialize. Don't... (laughs) Don't blame the parent. Right. And, you know, keep it as positive and uplifting as possible. You've got mail. Our email this week is from Maria in Florida. Dear New Teacher Hotline, I was recently hired here in the state of Florida. I'm not from Florida. I just moved in a few months ago. I don't know anyone. I sort of feel like a stranger in a strange land, and I need to get myself acclimated to the community. How can I get my name out there and become an effective teacher if nobody even knows who I am? 
Okay, that's a good question. She's got two things going wrong for her. Right. She doesn't know anything about Florida. Mm-hmm. She's new to the area, and it's mid-year. She right. hasn't gotten she, that big hello party mm-hmm. parent-teacher night. This could happen in anywhere, so it doesn't have to be Florida. It could be anywhere. And there are a number of students who graduate mid-year or who are hired after school starts. So let's kind of broaden it to that. It is important for the teacher to become part of the community because um, what the community is asking the teacher to do is help me raise my child in the same customs, the same values that we have. How do you get to know them? If you can, move or live in the community and just be aware of you know the social events going on around you, whether it's by the newspaper or the television shows or whatever. You know, Get involved with the community. If you live in a community, then there are built-in opportunities, such as going to the grocery store, the library, or church. Of course, uh, that's a good place to meet people. In most communities, teachers are well-respected, and they are a focal point. Then you become a semi-celebrity, and everybody wants to know who you are. Well, that's a good way to get in. Other ways would be, for instance, coach a parks and rec team or become involved with one of the local charities. Sometimes communities have special events, you know, a barbecue, a 4th of July event, a holiday event. You can meet people that way and volunteer to be on a few committees. So those are all good ways to get known within the community and to become part of the community. But if you don't live in a community, it becomes more difficult. And then the teacher has to really concentrate on being available. A lot of times that means available after school, whether it's chaperoning a a dance, an athletic event, attending all the PTSA meetings. Anything that puts you in contact with the community is a good way to get started. Well, it's kind of a double-edged sword to be living in the community. I know teachers that I used to teach alongside specifically lived away from the community because they didn't like Mm -hmm. all the food they buy at the grocery store and all the movies they watch at Blockbuster to be under scrutiny by every kid that happens to walk by you at that moment or every parent who knows you. That's right. And a situation like that, you should not live in the community because (laughs) (laughs) you might be giving them the wrong message. And that's a decision that the teacher will have to make. A lot of people need their own privacy, their own space. That's understandable. Yeah, you may not want to live right there. Uh, You may want to live in an adjoining suburb or town or something like that where the culture is still the same. And that's fine. That's fine. The bottom line is to not become a hermit. It's to be out in the world, getting to know the people. And, of course, uh, the best place to start is within your school. And that is hard, especially when you're new. Right. You've got so much that you have to do day in, day out. The last thing you want to do is go to the school volleyball game. Right, right. And you know what? If if it becomes a chore, then don't go. But a lot of teachers will go to these athletic events because they're fun. You get to see the kids in a different spotlight, and they get to see you differently. It really does make you feel like a celebrity. Mm-hmm. People recognize you. Oh, and yeah. It's very strange. It's a very bizarre situation, but it was it's kind of fun. And I always found it was easier for me to go to these events if I went with another new teacher. Right. We both knew that we had to go, but we didn't just want to sit there by ourselves the whole time and have people just watch us from afar uncomfortably. It felt very strange to be under the microscope. But if you have somebody to talk to mm-hmm. that's not somebody that you're dating. Right. Because you certainly don't want everyone to be talking about who you're dating the next day And they will. And that becomes the topic. (laughs) And new teachers tend to hang together anyway, uh, and that's a good idea. 
if they're going to an after-school event, a teacher, you know, they'll bring a stack of papers or bring their lesson plans for the next day. And, uh, you know, you don't have time or something like that. You can grab a minute or two to go over them, maybe do some work while you're there. So it doesn't have to be just, you know, watching the volleyball game. It can be that and, you know, maybe some other things that you're doing. And that's actually a good PR move, too. Mm -hmm. I've never gotten better feedback from parents than when they see that you're not only going to an event that you don't have to go to like they do as parents. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, that you're actually having to work through that because you can't spare the time. And right. it's not as though this is an act. This you're really true. using it, and you're really grading those papers because you really need to. looks good, you know, see a teacher out there working. Now, other times uh, a teacher may be asked to actually chaperone or work the door or something like that, and that's fine, too. It gets you out there so that you can see the people and they can see you, and, and you learn from it. Just observe and see how people are acting. Actually, I have an entertaining story about okay. this, Okay. Fellow new teacher and I, we're both math teachers, and we realized that we needed to get out there and be seen. We especially wanted the administration to see that we were investing ourselves in the school. We didn't want to be one of those people that left right at the contractual time that you were allowed to leave. Mm -hmm. So we did some grading and some work in our classrooms. We went out and got some quality McDonald's fast food or something (laughs) like that. We figured as soon as the event started that we would go. But we kind of got smart about it after a while. We realized that if we showed up early that we would have to work the event. Mm-hmm. We might have to take tickets or we right. might have to work concessions. So we said, let's be slick and let's show up right when the game is supposed to start, this football game, and we'll be great. So we managed to do that. We said, we'll get in there. We'll shake a couple hands with the principal, vice principals. Make eye contact. We'll sit. We'll stand in the concession line and buy some hot dogs in aluminum foil. Yeah. And then we'll just disappear. And then people will say, well, they stayed for the whole game. Yeah, and we had a whole plan. We were, mm-hmm. we were very excited about this plan. So we showed up, and as soon as we got there, we got grabbed by the athletic director. He said, are you guys here for the game? And we said, of course we are. (laughs) Sure. We love this school. (laughs) And we were excited to be at this event at 8 (laughs) o'clock instead of at home because it's cold and rainy. And he said, well, that's great because we need you to work the chains. Oh, no. The chains on the football field, for those of you who may or may not know, are those orange, bright orange things on the sideline that measure the first down marker. It's a 10-yard long length of chain. First and 10 markers. Right. And basically, we had to run along the sides of the field back and forth through the entire game. game. (laughs) I'm wearing these shoes that I just bought that weren't broken in yet. My ankles were bleeding. And it it was decided early on that I would catch the extra points, too. And we it was the first time in school history we had two consecutive touchdown returns off of kickoffs. So I had, had to, to run, run full 80 yards field. to the end of the field to catch the extra point. And I can't, and I, I tossed it to the referee and he was like, Hey, good moves. I was like, just leave me alone. I was supposed to be gone by now. And then as soon as the next kickoff went, they returned a touchdown to the other end of the field. So I had to run a hundred yards and it was, I was so miserable. And I just remember hearing from the crowd, just one of my students yell, run forest. <laughs> Run, Forrest. And I just thought to myself, this is the worst day ever. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as my friend who actually was taken out on a run. One of the one of the sweeps to the left, the running back smashed right into him at full speed and spilled him off into the Ouch. track. Ouch. He still brags that he didn't actually fall, uh-huh. that he took a, three high school players to the chest and managed to stay up. And they bounced off. Yeah. And he did, as it started raining, and was just continuously pouring on us, he turned to me and he said, this is a great idea you had. 
Thanks for that. <laughs> so it's a double Take, sword. Taking tickets sounded a lot easier, didn't it? <laughs> it sure did. Well, there, there are a lot of things uh, that go on around a school. You know, elementary schools, they're always doing evening events or read-alongs or something like that, and Grandparents' Day and uh, another opportunity to get to know who's in your community and what they think is important. And this is a big one without overdoing it. According to the clock on the wall, we have reached the end of another episode of the New Teacher Hotline. That didn't take long. Not at all. We're going to have to go for a double next time. Well, we will see you (laughs) in two weeks. Till next time, I am Mike Kelly. And I am Glenn Moulton. See you in the faculty lounge. Do you have a question that you would like us to answer on a future podcast? Our experts are standing by. Email us today at newteacherhotline at gmail.com. The New Teacher Hotline is presented every two weeks by the American Board for Certification of Teacher Excellence. Look us up online at www.abcte.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the American Board for Certification of Teacher Excellence. In fact, ABCTE makes no claim that downloading this podcast will even be worth your time. But, you know, we, we hope it is. Our theme song is courtesy of Van Davis at www.vandavis.com. Thanks for listening.